You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Good morning. Well, I'm glad you guys made it, because if you didn't, I don't know what I'd do. I'd go out to breakfast, and but it's so good to see you all here, and I'm excited as we are beginning our Advent series. We've been doing this, gosh, probably five years now, maybe six, I, I don't recall, and it used to be that Christmas would come, and I, it happened even when I was doing music, it was like, okay, here comes Christmas again. We got to pull out those songs. Got to pull out that story of Jesus being born. Go to the Gospels, and you know we're trying to recognize the most monumental event in human history: God becomes man and dwells with us. And it seems like no matter how much I would try and make that be important it'd be like okay this is what it's about and we go yay okay let's go shopping you know and we are trying to take back the power that is behind Christ coming because it changed the world and it is meant to continue changing the world but now it changes the world through us And so let's pause and let's pray as we begin this series that God would allow us to continue the revolution that he began so long ago. God, we are grateful that we stand here this morning celebrating who you are, that you have come, Lord, that you have given your life for ours, and Lord, you have given us new life. And as we, as a people, take time and celebrate this season, acknowledging your birth, Lord, we want Christmas to continue changing the world. And Lord, we know that you want that to take place through us. And God, this world is in a mess. You know that more than we do. There is so much in the news. There is shootings. There is terrorism. There is violence. There is abuse. And the list goes on and on of the injustices that take place. And Lord, we come to you because we need your guidance on what we can do to make a difference. Lord, we want to be a light in this darkness. But God, we admit we don't know how. We don't know all that we could do. And so we are crying out to you. Lord, help us to reflect you. And Lord, I I pray that this season might be an opportunity where we can do that, where we as your followers, as your disciples, as your children would be open to hear your voice and to be used by you to 
make the difference. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, how can the reality of God with us change our daily lives from the things that we see, the things that we hear on the news, the bad news that doesn't seem to stop? How can the reality of God with us change the world that we live in? How can it shape the narrative that we find ourselves in, the story that God is writing? How can it affect us in a way that would affect the world? You know, the world that Jesus was born in was a violent world. It was a world that was filled with war. It was a world that was filled with violence and injustice. It was a world that was filled with racism and tension. And it's a world that we find ourselves in. And and as Jesus stepped into this world, he made a difference by affecting the people he encountered. And we need to do the same thing. We need to take up that baton that he's passing on to us and continue the things that he has for us. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus speaking as he was coming and starting his ministry. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a quote from Isaiah 61. And so Jesus comes in and he's saying that God has sent me to bring this healing, to to bring sight to the blind and, and this hope to the poor and to acknowledge God's favor. And do we believe that and and is that taking place is that showing up in our lives i mean again years ago that's why we started asking how can we tell a better story how can we enter into this christmas story if god's favor is with us how can we make that evident in our lives i don't want to just celebrate the birth of a baby i want to enter into the favor that god has for mankind and so that's what we're pushing into and so turn with me to hebrews chapter one as we begin to look at the hope of God with us. And in Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1, we see, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And he had provided purification for sins. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 
So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. God has not forgotten this world that has fallen. He has always been speaking. He has spoken through the prophets in various means and in various ways. But in the last days, he's spoken through his son in a more final way, in a more apparent way, in a more clear manifestation. God is speaking and he has spoken this way through his son. It's powerful. It's complete. And the language that God is speaking is now seen clearly through his son. If we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. He is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's being. And so we see Christ and we see who God is. A lot of times, People have this idea, well, I like Jesus, but I don't really like the God of the Old Testament. You know, Jesus is kind of the new PR for God, and he's giving him, you know, a gentler and a milder touch. But what we don't understand is that Jesus is actually bringing clarity to the God that we read about throughout all of Scripture. You want to know what this God is like, then we look at Jesus. How does this God feel about sin? Well, we look at Jesus with the woman caught in adultery. How does this God feel about those people who are lost And he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And so we get an understanding from Jesus exactly what God was meaning throughout all the things that are written throughout Scripture. The story is not just something that has happened. This event of Jesus being born isn't something that happened long ago. It's a story about a king who, after he provided purification for sins at the cross by his death, rose from the dead, sat down at the right hand of majesty. This is our king who has conquered death, and he is the son of God. You see, the story isn't something that happened. The story is something that is happening still. God is still speaking through the risen son who is now seated at the right hand of God. And this is the reality that Matthew talks about when he says his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's the reality that he hasn't forgotten us. This is the God who has something to say. And what he speaks is Jesus. What he says, his voice is his son. His story is something that is to reorient our lives. This is not just a Christmas story. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to allow this story to become the fabric of our lives, to become the foundation that we build on, the the fabric of our reality, the lens that we see ourselves and others through, that God has not forgotten you, God has not abandoned you, that God has spoken to you very clearly through the person of his son, through Jesus. And this story helps us 
understand what the real story is that we're able to act on it because this is the king that the world needs and that the world longs for. And it's the kingdom that we get to help usher in. And we see, he goes on and he says in verse 5, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. For which of the angels did God say, you are my son? You see, when we think of a kingdom and we think of maybe a government, we we think of God establishing something and there's hierarchy and there's positions. There's a president, there's a prime minister, there's a king. There is a position that God is going to appoint Jesus to, but that's not the way it is. This is relational. He doesn't appoint him to a position of political power. He points him to a position of family relationship. He, He doesn't make him a king by itself, he makes him a son. And so we see that this is very relational. When we we think of government, it always has these laws and ordinances. But Jesus isn't second in command. He's family. He's the son. And we aren't invited to a position, but we are invited to be part of a loving family. And that's why he talks about this complete justice. Your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. These are things that we long for. These are things that we want to see take place. In God's kingdom, there is no inequality. In God's kingdom, there is no prejudice. Right and wrong are clear and not blurred by our prejudice. I I tell you, I I get so frustrated because everything I I read and everything I hear, I doubt. I've been lied to so many times by so many people that it's just sickening. And I read a report and it says, well, this report was wrong and it was falsified and the statistics aren't real. They're not accurate because they were taken out of this context. And you start to wonder, who do you believe? seems like each party is lying to me. Each party is trying to start fear and start condescension against the other people. And pretty soon all it is is hatred for things because hatred seems to get things done. And I'm real sick of these things that push us against each other, that try and bring about their own power at the expense of others. 
And I'm sick of the violence and how people want to use it to gain their own power. I'm sick of racism and how it's so prevalent in our country still. You see, in this kingdom, there is no injustice. This kingdom that he is establishing, these lines aren't blurred. And the outcome is joy. The outcome, he says there in verse 9, by anointing you with the oil of joy. Joy because the person in charge is the person who needs to be in charge is a person you can have confidence in. I tell you, I don't know who to put confidence in. I look at the elections and I'm like, oh man, God help us. But I do put confidence in him. Because I'm not being lied to by him. He's not trying to twist things to gain power. He is the son. He is in the family. And it brings about the joy. We recognize that this is not here yet. We understand that it's not here. But you see, what's happening, what this Advent story is about, is it has broken through. Oh, it's not fully here, but it is here. It has shown up. It's making, it has made its appearance and it's making itself known. It has made itself known clearly through Jesus, but now it's being made known through us, his followers. The question that I believe is being asked and it's being asked by the Advent itself is, What if this world was being ruled by this king today? What if your heart was ruled by this king right now? What would it look like? Your home. How would it affect your family, your marriage, your relationships, your singleness, your sexuality, your work, your finances? If he was the king, what if this king had access to all these areas of our lives? What if we were totally given over to the way things are supposed to be in rule by this king who has stepped in? You see, that's what this is about. This is about if Jesus is the king and has stepped in and we have given our hearts to him, then how does it affect my life now? The reality of his kingdom breaking through, how does it affect how I act towards other people, how I act towards my wife, how I act towards strangers, how I behave at work, how I conduct myself, the things that I do, what I spend my money on, what I spend my time on. How does it affect my life. What places of darkness in this world would you show up with his light? Where you see injustice, where would you make a stand? 
what changes would you make if this was the rule? This is the Advent story. This is what we have stepped into. This is where we find ourselves. And you see these areas of darkness. These are the areas that we get to bring light into. And he gives us a warning in chapter 2 of Hebrews. Starting at verse 1, he says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation of disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. There, there's a word that's used here that, that really kind of capsulates what's being said here. It's the word drift. He says, be careful, pay attention that you don't drift away. You see, we can make this king and this king kingdom that's supposed to be established here central to our lives, or we can miss the point of this salvation. This will either be something that starts to govern who we are or we'll treat it as if it's incidental. We'll treat it as if it's just a season that comes and goes. We'll treat it as if it's just a baby that was born in the manger and all we do is celebrate it by passing out gifts and putting up lights and decorating trees. We'll treat it as if it's less than what it really is. And we start to drift away by not recognizing that something powerful has happened and has stepped into history and is commanding our resolve and our actions. And it's been verified by signs and wonders. It's been verified by the changing of lives throughout the centuries. The people who used to be given over to being Thieves, maybe like Matthew, the, the tax collector, or violence like Simeon, the zealot. And you can multiply their story throughout history. People who have been lost and then come to knowledge and changed. What changes them? From a life of abuse and drugs and abusing people to a life of submission to God and actually now helping people. What changes them? It's the power of God and this salvation that he's brought here and forward. We have to be careful. We don't treat it as incidental. We don't drift away and make it less than what it is. Be bold enough in our faith to allow all the other kingdoms that we see presenting ourselves, presented against this kingdom, allow this kingdom to collide with them. When you see the injustice there, then it collides against the kingdom that we are living in. 
Be bold enough in your faith to make a stand and say, this is the kingdom I represent. This is the king I follow, and I'm not going to follow this. I don't care if everyone else does. I will make a stand against this because of who I believe in. I'm not going to let this become less than, as if it's just something that I pay tribute to. See, Christianity has lost power because we don't believe that the kingdom has broken through and we are supposed to live in it. It becomes something that's there far away. And we'll talk about the end and we'll, we'll worry about the Antichrist and, and we'll talk about the mark of the beast and we'll post all these things, but we don't live the kingdom here now. We worry about what will happen and then we could give careful Sam we could care less about the things that are before us because all we care about is what's going to happen in heaven one of the reasons we began to do this advent conspiracy different a few years back is because I felt like we were missing this the power of Christ coming and what it was supposed to do was being missed. If, if it was made, if, if this announcement was made about the greatest news in history, then why would we say, hey, this is great news, this is great news. Yeah, wah, 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 let's go shopping. And let's eat unendingly. Something more should be happening. It was as if we just made this announcement and then moved on. And it's a strange way to celebrate Jesus who came, as we, we said earlier, for the poor and those who were in the margins to then go on and just get stuff for ourselves and our family. Oh yeah, Jesus came to help the poor. Yay, happy birthday, Jesus. Let's go shopping. Let's go eating. Let's go fill ourselves. What a strange thing. And so this idea came that we would worship fully, that we would recognize that what God is calling us to isn't to play church, but it is to live our lives and allow this to shape every area of our lives, every corner of our lives, to, to recognize that we are now part of this kingdom that has broken through. And worship is supposed to be something that is a part of our lives because worship is more than just singing. It's more than just giving. It, it, it's living. And then we decided we wanted to, to spend less. We didn't say we were going to stop. We weren't going to be, you know, Grinches. We weren't going to be Scrooges and just stop all of the Christmas fun. Not no more fun. Bah, ha, bug to all of you guys. No, we we're going to just say, let's spend less. Let's buy one less gift card that we give to that extra person. Maybe you go to the store and you buy a bunch of gift cards and then you start thinking, who do I give these to? Right? It's like, well, I bought them. I might as well give them to somebody. What if we had a little bit more intention? Instead of just giving them some money, why don't we actually give more? Why don't we make a card for them? Why don't we invite them out for coffee? Why don't we actually spend time with them instead of just giving them money? And the money that we 
save by not giving so much. We actually give towards a cause, towards something that can be beneficial to those who are in need. And love those who are hurting. Love those who are forgotten. Love all. What if we stepped into this story and recognized that we get to continue and make this our story? This is simply our attempt not to drift away because we're not paying attention, because Christmas is a season, because the Advent is something that happened and isn't something that is happening still. And you see, Jesus is also how we speak to God. In other words, God spoke to mankind through Christ. We understand God through Jesus, but Jesus is also how we speak to God. Even as the language that God has spoken to us is Christ, in the incarnation, so too is his humanity the language that we speak to God. In verse 5 of chapter 2, the writer goes on and he says, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, but which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Right? We've broken in, but it's not completed yet. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by, great, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And notice in verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. See, Jesus showing up to reveal God to us also shows up on our behalf to bring us to the father. The son who is God's speech to us He in his humanity is our speech to God. He brings us to God himself. He lives the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we should have died. And he conquers the grave, which has held us captive. He forgives the sin, which has kept us bound. And he names us with a new name. Verse 10. He goes on and he says, and bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Do you get that? 
He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. He is God in the flesh, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of who God is, but he is also us. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. Every year, I look back and I think of the things that have happened to the people I know, the people I love, to to us. The difficult things. How many people here have lost someone they love this year? How many people know someone who they care about who is going through cancer or other serious illness this year? How many people have seen their loved ones ravaged by drugs or alcohol or addiction? See, the kingdom has broken in and God doesn't just see. He is with us. He is representing us. He's not off at a distance. Oh, yes, I'm God. You are people. He has become one of us. And this is the important thing because he renames us. After forgiving us, he calls us sons and daughters. He says, you're my family. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. Christ has brought us together. Christ has made us one. Christ has made us holy. If God can look across this room and see sons and daughters, then we need to be able to look across this room and see brothers and sisters. We need to be able to look across the world and see brothers and sisters. We need to get rid of the the barriers that are put up by racial or economic barriers. We need to, to get rid of the barriers that are there by political parties. We need to see family. And we need to understand that this is what drives us. This is the fabric that we are made of. This is the kingdom that we belong to. This is where we push into. We need to tell a different story. We need this salvation to be the fabric of our lives. And the bond that makes us one. I don't have to agree with everything that you say. but I need to see you as my family. As you belong to Christ, you belong to me. Verse 14, he goes on and he says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted." Again, this is 
Emmanuel, Matthew's gospel talks about it. God is with us. This is the story of the manger, God becoming human in every way so that he could stand before God on our behalf and say, their sins are forgiven. The power that can take a rebellious creation and make them sons and daughters is the power that will change the world that we live in. It is the kingdom that is broken in and that we believe in that is going to change who we are and the people around us as we extend this loving, gracious invitation. This power that is breaking in into the world right now as you receive Christ, as you receive forgiveness, as you extend forgiveness. Think about how messed up things are. What's going to change it? It's this story that God is with us, that he has made us his children and that he has made you my brothers and my sisters. That's what's able to change us. It takes enemies. It makes them family. It's kind of Interesting how family shapes us, has an effect on us. I went last week to my first grandparents' day at school. Um, grandparent. And it's amazing how it made me feel to be associated. The nine-year-old girl that calls me granddad now and it, it changes who I am being associated with her it, it changes who we are being associated with him it, it changes our life our connection to other people being made family is something that draws us into this closeness this confidence You see, the Advent conspiracy, the the whole idea is it's a, a, a subversive reality in spite of everything that you hear and see. There is this other story. There is this other kingdom that is breaking in. It's quiet. It's gentle. And sometimes we we can miss it, but It's growing throughout the world and it's bringing salvation and transformation. It's coming, but it's already here. There are churches all over the world, different denominations that are acknowledging Jesus and are changing the way they celebrate this season. And We want to do the same. Two years ago, we raised, I believe it was $7,000, built a a latrine in Haiti. It was for this school, St. Andre's School in Haiti. There's about 150 kids that are there at the school. And so they have this dilapidated latrine that was there. It was pretty funky. 
there's us standing by it because, of course, where do you want us to take a picture? Take a picture by the latrine. And so we raised the money and we built that. It was a larger latrine for the boys and the girls. had doors. It wasn't as smelly. It was something that we stepped into and did. Last year, we took a huge step. We raised $25,000 because of this season, because we believe that Advent is our opportunity to say we are a part of this kingdom. And if this kingdom is here, this is what we believe he would do, is he would help these kids. Oh, there's a picture of me. Uh, So we built the cafeteria that now is able to help the kids to eat. That was the opening ceremony. So now that the kids can have food and eat there in the cafeteria, have plates. Again, there's about 150 children that attend this school. And what we would like to do is help provide them with lunch. What we'd like to do is provide lunch right now one day a week for 28 weeks for every child that is there. Other people are helping. That would be a total of $4,200, but we also want to help those who are making the food and provide for them. And so we want to raise $5,000 this Advent for these children. The ushers are going to come down and they're going to hand out these cards to everyone who's here. If there are a hundred of us, and there's actually more, we're just never here at the same time. If there were a hundred of us here and we each said, this month I am going to put $50 aside. Go ahead and bring, yeah, bring the cards down. I'm going to put $50 aside for the food program. I'm going to take a child to lunch every day of the week for the next 28 weeks. 100 people, $50 for the month. We would cover the complete cost of this. This is why it's important that you're here. You see, we're not just coming to church. We're part of the kingdom that God is breaking through. Now, on this card, it has the options, a dollar for one day, a month, $25, or for a school year, it'd be $225. This is for the students. If you want to put in $50, if you want to put in $10, if you want to give $15 for the next four weeks, whatever you can give, the money here will go towards the lunch program, and our goal is to raise $5,000 this month. Now, I I want to share with you also that if you give through the tablet in the back, you can. You just need to let Mary know that you're giving this money, however much it is, towards the food program so that we can designate it for the food program. There are children where this is the meal that they will get, the best meal that they will get for the day. And what we are doing is saying the kingdom of God is here and he's proclaiming good news to the poor. Why? Because we are proclaiming good news to the poor. This is our opportunity 
to allow Christmas to continue changing the world? When did Christianity become just about what we believe and not about who we are? How many people have been hurt because in the name of Jesus they've been blasted, been separated, been marginalized when Christ came to reconcile, to make us family. And so for the rest of this month, we're going to be continuing talking about this kingdom that has shown up. And we're going to have this opportunity and we'll let you know each week what our goals are, where we're at with the money that's raised so that you can know. And and I want you to understand that this is an invitation to you. But this is your opportunity to invite others to be a part of this story. Do you want to change what Christianity looks like? Then be the change. And bring other people into that change. Are you upset with what people do in the name of Jesus? Then be the person who does something different. Be the one who is actively a part of the kingdom of God. And shows the light. And recognize that even though those people may bother you, they're still your family. Isn't that like family? Doesn't everyone have that uncle, that cousin? Cousin's coming over. Okay, lock up the jewelry. Don't put the silverware out. It's still my family. I still want what's best for them. Let's be the change. And let's allow Christmas to change the world today. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful for your mercy towards me. Lord, I am such in such need of your forgiveness daily. I'm in such need of this salvation that you have brought through your death and has given me life. And Lord, I pray that as I believe in you and I believe that your kingdom has come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, that you've given me this opportunity to be a part of that and given us an opportunity to be a voice for those who have none, to extend an invitation to those who are hurting, to be a meal to a child who otherwise would not have one. And Lord, I pray that you would use our community and our lives to make a difference in the world because your kingdom is the one we live in today. Let's stand together as we sing this song. 
May the reality of God's kingdom be the reality you live in. May you see clearly the king and who he is so that you can follow in his steps. And may we continue the revolution that Jesus began when he stepped into this world. May we recognize that God is with us and may we show it by how we live. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.